0: you
1: Hey you going? Welcome to Tell Me Your Tales. A bit different show this week. This is the audio of myself getting interviewed for the Parkrun Adventurers show with Scotty and Mel. Their podcast is fantastic. I highly recommend you go over and check that out. It's a podcast where they talk all things parkrun and have different guests on each week. And I was very humbled and um, really appreciate the opportunity to go on their podcast and talk about all things parkrun tell me your tales and um yeah the road to berlin kind of podcast series which has really taken off i thought i'd share this audio just because i go into a bit of detail around why i started the podcast and what podcasting kind of means to me and just um probably my thoughts on how tell me your tales has kind of um taken off and in increased in numbers and how that kind of works behind the scenes we put in the show together and all those kind of things so it's not a long chat it only goes for about 30 minutes but i think if you listen to it you'll get a really good insight to some of my values and some of my drives behind putting tell me your tales together each week as i said feel free to go over and check out their whole podcast this is just a snippet from their latest episode and i hope you enjoy this one we'll be back next week with the road to berlin and a conversation cheers guys <laughs>
2: For this week's guest on the podcast, we thought it was time to talk a bit of shop, a bit of shop talk, podcast talk. Brady Treffel is joining us this week, and Brady's got a podcast, a great little podcast.
1: Thanks, Scott, and thanks, Mel. It's, uh, it's a bit weird being on this side of the, the microphone this week. As, I, as you said, I've kind of got my own podcast, so I'm usually the one firing the questions away, but looking forward to have a discussion, all thing running and podcasting today. Well,
2: let's see how you go because we're going to be we're going to be asking you questions, so you have to answer them this week. So you've got your podcast. Tell me your tales. Do you, to, do you want to start off explaining what the podcast is and what it's about and how it came about?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, tell me your tales is there's probably three three parts to my tell me your tales podcast. The first part is I like to sit down with people into running or health or. Um, yeah, just kind of wise people around the sport of fitness industry and have lengthy conversations with them about their life and their routines and their journey in running. And we kind of, I don't really prepare massive interview questions. It's probably more of a conversation and we let the conversation go all over the place and just, yeah, dig deep into their life. We talk about some of their races that they've had in the past and different training sessions and training methods they use, Um, probably more particular marathon runners. So you know, I've had some so a range of guests on, you know, the likes of Virginia Maloney, who just ran 229 up at the Gold Coast earlier this year, um, Josh Harris, Brad Milosevic, who both went over, and Jack Colreavy, actually, all three Australian representatives at the World Championships over at London in the marathon just a couple of uh, weeks ago, and yeah, I guess it's it's kind of just a raw conversation where we talk all things running. Um everything from heart rate data to gels and nutrition and all those kind of different training philosophies that different people uh, use in their lead up to marathons and training. So that's kind of one part of Tell Me Your Tales. The second part is uh, the Road to Berlin podcast series. So that's a part of Tell Me Your Tales where myself, uh, Julian Spence and Bradley Croker, Julian's down in Ballarat and Brad's up in Canberra we're all running the Berlin Marathon in, Uh, just over three weeks time. So we've documented all our training from about 14 weeks out and we kind of hit different topics in our conversation each week and that's been a big surprise. I originally started with the conversations just on the podcast and then that led to the idea to get the boys on because they were both past guests as well and talk about our training and journey and it was one of those things that we put it out there and we weren't really sure if we'd continue it and then the response was just massive we've had people emailing in questions and following us on Strava and we've got a kind of a worldwide following now we've got a big listenership over in Norway and Ireland and people in Berlin actually emailing us saying you know when you get here we can take you out for dinner and lunch and get you sorted or anything like that so um that's been a huge kind of learning curve just the power of podcasting and just how much people want to i guess understand the nitty-gritty of running not so much the the stuff you're going to read in a one page or two page page spread on a magazine but actually dig deep into some really elite runners and some runners with some interesting stories um profiles and to get really deep into the details and then the third part of tell me your tales is i profile people in my local community so Um, you know, I've had a counselor on the, the CEO of our local council. I've had a guy who owns a gym. I've had, um, a local musician on just kind of people that I find interesting in my own community and really just wanted to get to know them and get to know their stories. And there's probably not a media where we can get that locally. There's a few kind of newspaper articles on them, but there's nowhere where you can get an hour or a 90 minute conversation. Um, yeah, podcast kind of on those guys. So I guess I kind of created the podcast a bit selfishly. It was a podcast that I wanted to listen to and um, yeah, it just didn't, no one else was making it so I thought I might as well have a go and kind of looked into it and created it myself and I'm really probably appreciative and humbled that a lot of other people are finding value in it.
3: Do you think the fact that so many people are engaging, uh, specifically with your Road to Berlin uh, series, is because there are so many wannabe marathoners out there who who are keen, as you say, to get into that extra nitty gritty?
1: Yeah, for sure, Mel. Like, I, I think it's almost. Um, I think we probably got into it and weren't really sure how quickly quickly it was going to develop. But I almost compare it to kind of like the reality TV kind of thing. Like, it's that's um, reality radio. Like we're producing a show each week and we're not really sure what's going to happen each week. Um, you know, for example, Brad, six weeks ago, was the form runner of the three of us and he was smashing everything in training and, you know, we we're kind of thinking he might run 217, 218 at Berlin. And, you know, and two weeks after that, he was injured and he's missed three weeks of training and, you know, looking like it's going to be a real battle for him just to get to the start line now in Berlin. So I think that concept of, The listeners are really on the journey with us. It's not like we've got stuff prepared that we're going to release in two or three weeks time. It's um, you're in the same position as us. We're not sure what's going to happen come race day. And it's, yeah, the journey is a shared one. And I think people probably get a bit this misconception about elite and probably sub elite athletes in which we are that we're somewhat different whereas we're not like we talk about the battles of trying to fit in running after work or getting up at 5am to get stuff done or um you know Julian often says things like coming home and having a couple of beers just like I'm sure a lot of listeners would as well and I think giving the audience a authentic and a genuine kind of view of elite and sub-elite runners that we're very similar to um the everyday battler who's Going a park run on the weekend or training for Melbourne Marathon to break four or five hours or whatever it is, the struggle is probably real and exactly the same. So just to try and inspire people at the same time that we're out there doing it and hopefully they can as well.
3: It has certainly been an insight for me because I'm obviously not running anywhere near those sorts of splits that you boys do, but it's it's definitely been interesting. Will you be planning on recording when you're in Berlin post race?
1: Yeah, that's the plan. It's um, that's probably back to that kind of statement of we're not really sure what's going to happen. Like we've got a bit of, we've probably had to get a bit smarter. Like, uh, you know, 15 weeks ago it was probably just oh, not 15, probably about 12 weeks ago it was three blokes just getting on Skype and having a, having a conversation and hoping somebody's listened. But we've kind of had to sit down behind the scenes and look at, you know, the business model behind it and what's a succession plan and you know, especially when for me for tell me your tales that's probably my most downloaded show each week so it's kind of like well how am i going to continue to keep the downloads going forward and we're structuring topics for each week and the listener questions kind of filtering those into into different shows which fit um fit the topic of each week shows and yeah it's become more of a not so much a business because i don't want to use that word but more more structured i guess than how it was in the past and We've now got to think about, so yeah, what's it, we all want to race and we don't want to be thinking about what you're going to say in the recording um, the day after, but yeah, it's it's kind of sit down and say, well, we need to meet at this cafe or this hotel room the day after to debrief because there's people kind of relying on that content now and people that get their kicks out of hearing how we go and how we've gone afterwards.
2: So have you put some expectations on the three of you to perform at Berlin now? Do you feel that?
1: Yeah, I do. It's um even sometimes in my training runs just around a Chuka because we kind of report on each day's kind of training throughout the week, You, You might be having a good or a bad session and the thought comes through your head halfway through the session of, "Oh, how am I going to report this to the to the podcast next week? Or what's Julian going to think about this? Or what's Brad going to think about this session?" and it's um it's often you're thinking about, you know, even this morning I just went out for an easy jog because I've got a got a big session this afternoon and you know Julian's voice is ringing through in my head saying you know no one cares about what pace you run the easy runs at it's kind of what you can hit your sessions in so here I was backing off just to um, almost pay pay Julian a bit of justice so yeah it's I do feel that pressure now but at the same time I think it's a good added pressure to have it's almost like you want to do people proud and you want them to as I said they're on the journey with us and you want them to I think the listeners they want to see us all succeed come race day but it actually yeah it has added a an extra layer of pressure and you know even Brad who I spoke about before who's injured now like we kind of said to him if he doesn't want to come on and talk about his injury and stuff there's no pressure to do so but he was really happy to come in because he feels part of this community now and I know personally I'm not sure if, I'd, if I was injured, if I'd like talking to two other boys who aren't injured about a race we're meant to be doing in a month's time. So yeah, definitely some added pressure there, and, um, but I think it's good. I think that added pressure is only going to help us perform come race day. I think
2: one of the reasons why you've connected with your audience, and as Mel said, I can't relate to the times you boys are talking about, but I can certainly relate to the training that you're going through. And what I'm picking up from listening to the episodes is that there's new techniques and there's different ways to train, but it's also very similar to what I'm going through. So even though we can't go for a run together at Berlin, um, I'm relating to what you guys are talking about. Are you aware of that, that even though you boys are fast, you're talking to a quite a wide range of runners?
1: Yeah, and I think it's... Um that's probably where the listener questions have come in the last couple of weeks as well. People have kind of emailed in to clarify, or they might be training for marathons or trying to break a time for five or ten k. And we can kind of put things into their perspective. And you know, you you'll know when you listen that we use the terms like marathon pace a lot. So we might do a session, or you know, Julian did a session on the weekend, which was four by six k at marathon pace. So anyone can pick that session up and do it because everyone's marathon pace is. Um, specific to them so we try to use as many of those terms as possible and to kind of fit um yeah anyone out there who listens that they can get something out of it i guess the mileage is probably something that um people can't relate to like we're regularly running you know, anywhere between 160 and 200 kilometers a week and that's just not achievable for some of the listeners which i understand but hopefully they can see that you know roughly 80% of our week we're working hard and the rest of it we're kind of jogging along and recovering so that's something that people can definitely put into their training weeks.
3: I like how you mention the pressure and a lot of people tend to put things on Facebook saying oh I'm going to do this run or or um, I'm going to enter this event, and it's to keep themselves honest, and to they're putting it out there so that they kind of have uh, that accountability. I know when I do big events, I I try to half the time not tell anyone because I don't want that pressure. And then I, it's like, oh, I just did a sneaky half marathon in Canberra, you know, and nobody knew I was going to do that, and and it's because I can't cope with the pressure. But I like that you're you're keeping yourselves honest and um and putting yourselves out there for everyone. Is it, I mean, you already said that you think the pressure is going to help you on race day, but is it something that you, you think you'll do again in future, like it as an experiment as such?
1: Yeah, I guess um, the pressure thing is interesting because this will be my third marathon coming up and I ran my first one in Melbourne in two thousand and fifteen and put a put it out there that I was gonna debut for the marathon and kind of drummed up and wrote a bit of a blog leading up to it and kind of got as many people involved as I could and in the um in the end had a pretty negative experience. That that wall that everyone told me about came on at thirty five K and I ran two twenty six which I was, you know, reasonably happy with, but I went out a bit fast than that pace and it just wasn't positive at all and I felt like I probably talked it up a bit too much and probably underestimated the the marathon. So then when I went into Berlin Marathon last year, when I ran that, I kept it similar to you, Mel. I um, I told a few people, a few people knew I was doing it, but it wasn't, you know, I think I might've done my first Facebook post about it a week out when I was going to Europe and just telling people that it was coming up. And um, I think that was good. Like going under the, under the radar and paying respect to the marathon is uh, a good thing. But this time around, I think it's, Yeah, it's the pressure's good. And I was just listening to Matt Fitzgerald. He's got a book called um, Brain Training for Runners talking about, you know, how you can use the crowd and how you can use the pressure and a lot of that kind of mindfulness and mental training that you can, if there's more people involved than just yourself, when it's time to dig really deep, it's, it's easy to access that and easier to kind of push on. So I know for me, even, you know, living in a small community and having friends that come out and pace me on the bike, if I'm starting to starting to kind of find it hard three quarters or 2k to go into a longer kind of tempo run, I'll often think about that this person's given up their time to ride their bike next to me on a Saturday morning when they could be at home and with their family. And that kind of extra pressure kind of brings out the best in myself. So um, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I wish I had the answer to in you know four weeks time to see if it actually works for us, because we are letting a lot of people into our personal lives. And it's, um, yeah, you know, there's people, people get a lot of details from an hour, an hour, an hour and 10 minutes a week about, about what happens in your life. And, it's, um, it's one thing that I'm happy with at the moment, but going forward, I'm not, I'd like to do it again. I'd like to maybe pick a, another one, like a Boston or a New York or a London, a big city marathon, and introduce maybe two or three other guests and kind of make it a, a journey to Boston or something like that if there's demand there. And yeah, kind of strategically pick people who I think the listeners will relate well to going forward, but probably uh, not going to make a call yes or no at, at this stage because I'll probably wait and see how Berlin unfolds.
2: Let's turn our attention to the podcast itself. You're just a you're a teacher by trade. Yep. Where did you get the idea to do a podcast? And were you daunted by the technology about setting it up, about organising guests, and all that sort of business? Did that scare you or excite you?
1: Um, yeah, fantastic question, Scott. It, it, I do a lot of running by myself in a Chukumoaama, so I was really a big consumer of podcasts. I'd re- listen to. You know, probably three or four regular podcasts that I'd listen to each week and they'd kind of keep me company when I'd be on my longer runs or morning runs or whatever it would be. And I think I said it a bit earlier, like I I almost wanted someone to create the perfect podcast for me and I kind of got this bit of an itch and a bit of an idea that, that maybe I could do the same thing. I was a bit um, disappointed probably in the coverage of, kind of elite and sub elite runners in um in australia i didn't think we did the naked runners guys had a bit of a go at it a couple of years ago which was good and um run with soul um reedy and dino up in sydney they had a bit of a go of it for a while and and you know good content And i just thought i definitely thought there was a space in the market for me to provide those longer conversations and I just had the content, uh, the, sorry, the guests that I could, the contacts I could, um, yeah, just get really easily. So that kind of getting the guests didn't daunt me too much, but at probably trying to find the gender balance, I had a lot of male runners that I could easily send a message to and say, let's talk for an hour on Skype this Sunday night and record it and go from there. But trying to find female runners was quite difficult because for me, that was a bit of a step outside my comfort zone because I'd had to... Kind of approach them and form the relationship originally, and then and then go from there. So that was a bit of a challenge starting up the technology. I was blown away how easy it it was. Really, like um, I teach ICT to the grade six students at school, so I'm pretty familiar with GarageBand. Not that it takes a lot to get familiar with it, but the yeah, pretty easy. I bought a USB mic and, um, and kind of sent it off to iTunes to to get approved and that come back saying yeah no worries and then it kind of just gone gone from there I've just just grown and grown and had a few little hiccups along the way with different recording um equipment so I originally I used to record and have to do all these dodgy kind of bootleg things and set up different ringing kind of um, machines to kind of record the guests but now I've just got a program where I just hit record and it just records the whole conversation so that's uh saved me a lot of time and worry it used to be a bit of a worry trying to set up in time it used to be about a 20 minute process before I'd record with the guests but yeah the the uploading's probably and editing I don't do a lot of it's kind of because it's such a raw conversation we don't mind if there's pauses or we don't mind if we're dropping in and out and you know brad and i might talk while we're waiting for julian to come back onto skype and things like that because it's that authentic and genuine conversation that i want to pass on to to people i guess i want to provide i want to have the conversation with people and then let people listen to that i'm not really interviewing someone for the listeners if that makes sense
3: i'm glad you mentioned the the gender split as it were of of guests and things like that because it's something i'm very conscious of as well um we often say that if we've had several weeks in a row with boys that you know it's a total sausage fest um and that we're we're keen to get more females on do you ever find uh difficulties with getting women to come on the show because they're reluctant to actually talk
1: no every every person or every female i 've approached has been um, all good to come on, and i 've got a couple coming up in the next couple of weeks which i 'm i 'm uh, happy to kind of get because my gender yeah i've massively something that i 've got to address and something i 've realized but every female i 've approached has been more than happy to come on, which i 'm grateful for because if they weren't i 'd be probably struggling to get any of them on i think it's um yeah it 's quite a quite a balancing act and and as I said before it 's probably just me having to step out of my comfort zone more and, and approach people that I don't already know or don't already have a relationship with and for me that's probably one of the most nerve-wracking kind of um parts of it
3: yeah it's it's a little bit nerve-wracking for us too sometimes have you had many people say no
1: um no one has directly said no which has been good I've had a couple of people who have been, like, responded with, yep, I'll be keen, da-da-da, and um, we'll start talking a date, and then just no emails come back. So I might reply and say, oh, how does next Thursday look? And I'll just hear nothing for, oh, just crickets now. Like, it just won't be a response from there. So, but I've got to, you know, I, I don't, I'll give people one opportunity to kind of, have the conversation if they don't want to come on the show i'm more than happy to i don't want to be the guy that keeps emailing them nagging them and and things like that and some of my listeners have been great in initiating interviews so they'll um you know start a group facebook message or whatever saying brady meet whoever it is and you know you'd make a great guest on brady's podcast would you be more than happy to come on and and from there it's kind of grown and i'm more than happy to take requests from my um, audience members about who they want to hear because at the end of the day they're consuming them and i think i've got a pretty good judgment of who i like to have conversations with and who will get value out of those conversations but it's always good especially if people have an in or a hookup already to be able to set me up with someone who makes a good story
2: it's amazing most people say yes to us mel we've only ever had one real rejection but most people are keen to come on and have a chat to the podcast which is great
1: Well, I just think it's a bit of a no-brainer, like it's, especially, um, you know, if they're super elite athletes or whatever, like they've got opportunities to plug their sponsors in there, they've got opportunities to prove how good of a role model they are, Um, you know, they've got opportunities to get people, especially with elite running, a lot of, I find this battle with the park run scene and the elite running kind of scene, a lot of the park runners, I know in my local community, would have absolutely no idea who won the you know, the marathon at the World Championships, which was three weeks ago. Whereas I could go to my local soccer field and every single one of those soccer players and kids, and it doesn't matter if they're five-year-old soccer players or 25-year-old soccer players, they're all going to know the best soccer players in the world. So I think elite athletes probably have a bit of a responsibility to share their stories and to use the media they can because at the end of the day, they're not on the back page of The Age or The Herald Sun. So they need to use media like Podcast to, to make that connection with the... The general kind of fun run crowd out there i guess
2: couldn't agree more you're helping boost the profile of running
1: yeah why i wanted to start as well like just to give some insight because there's some amazing people who especially that sub elite category like even a guy like julian for example who is actively involved in this community with the running store down in ballarat but you know doesn't get kind of mainstream media but has an amazing story and amazing amazing amount of knowledge around running that people can benefit from now, I'm
2: curious, you said you're a podcast enthusiast, which podcasts have you been listening to?
1: Yeah, so I um, Marathon Talk's probably the first running podcast that I listened to, a couple of guys over in the UK, uh, Tom Williams, he's got a bit, and Martin Yelling, hit there. both got a bit to do with the park run scene over there, um, that was probably the first one that hooked me in, and I'm an avid listener, I would have listened to every one of their shows for the last, yeah, three or four years, it's generally my long run companion, Um also, I listen a bit to the Rich Roll podcast. I always find that Rich' his interview style is really authentic. Um, Will Anderson does a, well, not so regular anymore, but Will Ossify, where he just sits down with people and just talks for a couple of hours. So they're probably my three, three regular ones, and then I've probably got another fifteen or twenty that I just take snippets of here, there, and everywhere kind of thing.
2: And what about Parkrun? You're involved with Achuka Moama there on the Murray. Yep. Have you enjoyed that experience so far?
1: Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Um, it's been fantastic. My first experience was uh, probably about two years ago at and Park Run. So Chukamoam has been started since uh, May this year. But we'd been going over to Shepparton, which is about 50 minutes an hour drive away to, to do their park run regularly. And we'd often carpool over. And yeah, there was one Saturday we just drove back and there was three or four of us in the car. And we just said to ourselves that we need to get started and we need to do our own one here. And if Shepparton can do it, we can do it. And Bendigo was doing it an hour the opposite direction. So we thought um, we've just had to bite the boot and we had to start and get the, get the ball rolling a bit. So it's, it's probably back to the conversation before that, uh, Parkrun at Chukumalama isn't set up for, you know, guys like me to go down there and run 15 minutes. It's set up for people um who just want to come down and walk a bit or or run a bit and just try and beat their time each week or come down and see their friends or whatever it is. Kind of we're trying to tap into the pre-season like footy and um netball market in the next couple of months after they finish this weekend. So Yeah, I've been really enjoying being involved in something that's running, but completely different from the world of running. I've been involved in probably the last four or five years with the kind of elite running scene.
3: So do you use park run as as a speed session in your training or is it more just a giving back to the community, you volunteer kind of situation?
1: Yeah. uh, Well, when we were going over to and I'd always, a week out from a major race, I'd always do a kind of hard 5K kind of, kind of a bit of a, you know, you want to hurt yourself and go hard at 5K pace, so then if you're running a half marathon the week after the pace feels really easy. So in the first kind of experiences with Parkrun it would be go over and run as hard as you can for 5K. But um I've really that was yeah, I've I've only ran a chuka oh, maybe three or four times. I've I've tried to give it a crack a couple of times and I just can't switch on Mentally to be able to really dig deep, I know it probably sounds a bit strange, but we have an out and back course, so I've um yeah I'd get to the out and back bit, and then on my way back I'd see all these community members who I know, and kind of you'd want to smile and you'd want to give them a wave. And when it comes to dipping into that super serious, gut wrenching kind of running, I just haven't been able to access that because I've been having too much fun out there. So the best time I've ran in a Tuca, I think, is. 1524, which is um, which is the course record. I'm, I probably won't have another crack at it until somebody beats the course record. But um, I've definitely volunteered. Yeah, I would have probably been volunteered 10, 15 kind of times as, as a marshal or a run director. Whereas I've only ran it probably three or four times. I did pace one week. We had a group of guys who wanted to break 20 minutes. So um, just put the garment on and took them through in. Yeah, got one guy down to 1930 and a few guys um just fell wheels fell off a bit with 500 meters to go but yeah i definitely enjoy the volunteering and the, the standing on the table at the start and reading out the course description and all those kind of things and just letting the elite side of my running ability um take a back step to help out the community which helps me so often in in other pursuits
3: we're all about the adventures brady and getting people to to travel around and do different park runs have you noticed many adventurers and tourists coming to Achukamoama? I mean it's an E which is I'm not sure if you're aware there's an alphabet club out there so people are trying to get their events yeah yeah which is pretty you know far apart (laughs)
1: we are yeah definitely Mel we that's been something that's blown us away and Echuca is pretty kind of a touristy town as well we have a lot of um, kind of food and wine festivals, and winter blues festivals, and a few music festivals, and um, it's often coupled with people also ticking off, ticking off the E on the alphabet. It was probably evident at our launch day; like we had 230 at our launch, which was um, something that really blew us away. But there was probably five or ten there, people there just to just to get the E, um, which which I find uh, very motivating and funny and kind of like it's amazing that people will do that just to um they're so bought into the parkrun culture, which is amazing that they're willing to travel, um, you know, for quite a long time to to run a 5K, which is fantastic. So tourists have been there every week and what we've also been blown away away by is our numbers dropped a bit over winter so we kind of being around 60 70 during the colder months but every week there'll be five or two, ten new people there each week so we're just hoping once the weather finds up that we can just get all those people on the same weekend and yeah really kind of get it back up to 150 200 most weeks during spring and summer
2: i visited echuca last year i came up for the sweat versus steam run what's the running scene like in echuca i mean you're going to see it evolve as Parkrun grows, what's it like now? Are there lots of running trails and running groups?
1: Um, we have one running group. We're we're pretty. We don't have a running club, so there's one running group that that meets on a Saturday morning. And initially, when we uh, put the yeah. idea of Parkrun to this this running group, it was we weren't sure how they were going to respond because we didn't really want to take away. The members from their running group but at the same time we wanted to provide park run to people that weren't involved in that running group because that running group kind of goes and does fartlek and does you know 1k reps and those kind of things on a saturday morning whereas we wanted people who were just going to go out for a walk or go out for a jog and try to provide something for them. So we initially have the, the one running group. As I said, no running club, but very healthy triathlon community. So um, a lot of the running guys there will, will join me for, for runs. And we've also got Tali Bird. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Tali. Tali's a pretty elite um, distance runner as well she's one you know run for the kids and city to see and those kind of things as well so she's also hooking around the trails along the river out here so yeah some amazing places to live uh, to run sorry and an amazing place to live but our biggest disadvantage is there's no hills so um you know we've got to drive 45 minutes in one direction to kind of try and try and find a hill to run on so yeah we probably lack a bit of strength in the legs just because we can't train on the hills up here
3: well, no doubt with the impact that you'll be making at Ituka Moama and your podcast, the running scene will definitely be on the up and up.
1: Yeah, definitely. Hopefully, it, I probably hadn't thought of it like that, but there's a lot of stuff that we're doing in the town to encourage running. So um, yeah, hopefully it all continues to grow.
3: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week, Brady. We really appreciate it and good luck in the last few weeks of your training heading towards Berlin. We will be listening in intently to find out how you go and looking forward to that post-debrief that happens the day after when you're all feeling a little bit sore.
1: No worries, guys. Thanks again for the opportunity to come on your show and, yeah, keep up the great work.